baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. As we hit Labor Day weekend and the unofficial end of the summer, it seems clear the New York economy is still struggling. Jobs lost from the pandemic shutdowns two years ago are not yet back. And if you believe experts... It looks like maybe two more years uh, before um, we get back to where we were um, prior to the pandemic. For those seeking jobs, the news is actually good. Right now, it seems that employees still have uh, pretty clearly the upper hand in the labor market. This week on 880 In-Depth, the state of the job market and New York's slow pandemic recovery. I think the city has been faring uh, not as well as the rest of the state for the, for the obvious reason that the, the close down in the city of the economy was so uh, severe and so many sectors were, uh, were disrupted. And it's just taking longer for the city to catch up. Welcome to 880 In-Depth. I'm Michael Wallace. Happy Labor Day, or is it? This week, we wanted to look into the job market in New York City, an important part of the economic engine that fuels the region. Coming up a little later, we'll speak to New York State Controller Tom DiNapoli. But first, our Peter Haskell connected with James Orr, Associate Director of Economic Studies at the CUNY Graduate Center. Let's start there. During the pandemic, New York City lost almost a million jobs. How do things look now? Yeah, the, uh was almost a million jobs lost. Uh, the recovery has been incomplete. Uh, that was, a, in terms of percent, that was a 20% decline. Uh, about 15% of that 20% has been recovered. So we're still down about 170,000 jobs from where we were prior to the pandemic, which is about a 4% uh, shortfall. So um, looking at, you know, average growth rates in the city over the last couple of years prior to the pandemic, a 4% uh, loss, it looks like maybe two more years uh, before um, we get back to where we were um, prior to the pandemic. Tell us about the sectors that have recovered the most and which areas have yet to recover. Yeah, I, th- I think there's, there's, there's three groups here. The, the ones that have yet to recover where there's still a significant shortfall include construction, retail trade, uh, and the accommodation and food service sector. Here, uh, these were particularly hard hit, of course, a lot of uh, in-person interaction, efforts to control the, the outbreak um, affected these industries pretty significantly, and they have yet to recover. They, they have, they're in a recovery process, um, but they are still below their uh, pre-pandemic um, uh, levels. Now, the ones that are closer to the peak are finance and insurance and professional and business services. Uh, Finance and insurance, including Wall Street. Wall Street has done very well recently. Um, Professional and business services. Uh, Both of these sectors were in a situation where the workers were able to work from home. So maintaining their jobs while while, uh, working online. So these sectors were not as hard hit. They're close to being back to where they were prior to the pandemic. 
And then two sectors, healthcare and information, uh, actually are above their pre-pandemic peak. So they, the recovery there has, has been relatively strong. Uh, healthcare, which has been strong in the city uh, uh, for, for a while now, looks like it's reestablished its, its growth trend. And, and the information sector uh, is also now above where it was prior to the pandemic. So I, I think you're thinking about these groups of industries uh, there are still some that are that are quite quite a bit below, and and some others have uh, matched or exceeded their uh, previous peak. It's interesting. The sectors that seem to be doing the best are those where people can work from home, and we've seen numbers mm-hmm. showing that office occupancy is about thirty five percent. It's down slightly from before the summer. What does this tell us? Yeah, I think it, it says that workers uh, are coming back to the office. And then, as you mentioned, a lot of these sectors are do employ workers who work in offices. And uh, the recent surveys show that uh, workers are coming coming back to the office. But I guess the overriding issue is that a hybrid model uh, is going to be common. About the recent survey had 80% of uh, employers saying there'll be some sort of hybrid model Three days uh, a week uh, in this survey looked like in the office. It, it looked like it was the most common, uh, and two days at home. Uh, but we've got about 80% of firms that are looking at some sort of hybrid model. And uh, the the projection was in September, um, maybe on an average workday, 50% of office workers will be in the office. COVID caused the economy really to tank. And some look back to 9-11 and the impact on the economy downtown. Are are there similarities? Are there differences? Is is it a fair comparison to look at what happened and then the comeback? Yeah, I think it's it's instructive to look at past downturns. in the in the 2001 uh, case, of course, we had the 9/11 uh, terror attack. We also had the dot com uh, problem, and then we had a national recession. So those three factors really uh, pushed the uh, employment in the city down, and it was quite a ways to recover. Thirty months in, which is what we are now from the pandemic, um, the, the the level of employment in the city now is above where it was in that cycle. So. That was a particularly difficult cycle. I'll emphasize that there was a national recession at that time. And I think as we get further away from the actual uh, point at which the pandemic hit, a response, you know, just a, sort of a response or bounce back from the pandemic starts to get confounded with other factors going on. And of course, we're in a situation now with, with uh, a rising interest rates and uh, other factors that are going to weigh in on the extent to which the city recovered. And I think in, in 2001, we saw that in particular with the combination of factors keeping employment down. Is there a sense what to expect come fall and winter? I mean, do we expect that this recovery is going to continue? Is it going to plateau? Do we have any sense of that? Well, I think um, we've got, we've got uh, it, most of the industries are continuing to Cover. Again, the, the, the particularly uh, large shortfalls in some sectors, um, uh, but some of the other sectors have have uh, matched or exceeded their previous peak. Uh, when we look when we look out, um, I think uh, 
just taking an example of tourism, tourism is projected to increase, and that's a that's an important uh, factor for several uh, industries in the city. And and visitors are up, and the projection is for them to be continue to be up. Uh, the population change uh, that we had talked about it seems from the latest data that some of those negative trends are being reversed, uh, particularly the um, the decline that's that we saw in immigration and the rise in, uh, in deaths in the city. Some of these are being reversed, so I think there are there are definite signs um, uh, that the city is uh, it will continue to to recover. However. That's a big if because we're looking at a situation where the Fed is trying to uh, control inflation without creating a recession. That creates some uncertainty for the city. And uh, as I mentioned, since the pandemic, we've had the, the war in Ukraine and energy uh, increases and, and a stock market um, that, had, uh, that had declined from its peak. So yeah, there are there are signs that some of the negative effects of the pandemic are wearing off, but now we have a new set of issues that are going to impact how the city recovers. Speaking of which, the subject it seems that almost all public officials are talking about is crime. Do do we know how that might impact future economic growth? Well, I'm not sure we can we can put a number on it, but uh, certainly I think workers, residents, commuters, tourists need to feel safe. And I think if if they're not feeling safe, that's obviously going to going to impact their uh, willingness to come to New York. Um, again, I don't have a number. Uh, I'm not sure there's a number there that exactly how that's going to affect it, but it's certainly something it's something to keep an eye on because uh, we're, everyone needs to feel safe. Jim, is there anything else that we missed that you want to add? Well, I think it's it's interesting uh, that the um, tech sector, which I'm referring to as, uh, which I use the information sector to represent tech, has done particularly well. I mean, by 2021, it had surpassed its pre-pandemic peak. It's got some very strong uh, components. Um, the uh, the uh, publishing part of it, the internet publishing part, social media uh, uh, part has been very strong. So, so this is, this is uh, increased employment in the sector, in the city, and it now matches uh, Wall Street employment uh, in, terms of, in terms of numbers, not in terms of the salary. Wall Street is still a major generator of earnings, but in terms of employment, uh, it's now as big as Wall Street. So I think that, that definitely deserves watching. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. One organization with a keen eye on the job market is Challenger Gray and Christmas. Andy Challenger is a vice president at the Chicago-based outplacement and executive coaching firm. We asked him about the job market in the United States. We're still at a historic level of job openings. Uh, 
11 million roughly job openings in the country. That's near an all-time record. Uh, and at the same time, we have a workforce that is uh, has a hole in it. It's just not quite as many workers as we need to fill those positions. So people that are out there searching for roles have uh, quite a few options available to them right now at about a two-to-one ratio. Is there is there something about folks who are not coming back to the workforce who were there before, or are there other factors as well? Yeah, that is part of it. Uh, we've seen some families have made decisions to uh, continue forward you know, after this pandemic as a one-income household. Uh, that does disproportionately affect women, so we've seen uh, fewer women come back into the workforce. Uh, and then we also saw a lot of uh, Americans that decided to retire early. Uh, they left the workforce in March of 2020 and found that they were okay with that coming back. And so I think those two factors have been the ones that are most prominent to the smaller labor force that we have today. Based on this demand, does that mean that wages are going up? Wages are continuing to go up. We've seen uh, a, a very quick rise in wages over the last year and a half. There's fierce competition for workers among employers. Uh, when you look at it, however, in terms of real wages, in the context of inflation, uh, it doesn't seem that wages have quite outpaced or kept pace uh, with the increasing cost of goods around the country. So those those wage gains, uh, yeah, people aren't uh, cheering in the street in the same way that they might in a, in another economy. You talk about inflation. What impact might that have on the job market going forward? Yeah, inflation is. Uh, an economic constraint that is certainly concerning for uh, all workers in the country because of its potential effect on uh, demand for goods. As inflation, as prices go up, uh, people tend to spend less money. The Fed, Federal Reserve, is specifically trying to slow down the economy, and that will eventually hit the labor market. It doesn't seem to have hit it yet. Uh, yet when we talk to employers, roughly 50% of them uh, believe we will go into a recession and that will certainly have a cooling effect on employee wages and new hiring at some point in the future. One area both employers and employees are still struggling to understand is the future of hybrid work a byproduct of the pandemic. There is clearly some tension between employers and employees. Uh, we hear every few months employers announce their line in the sand the day that employees are coming back to the office. And for a year and a half, that date has come and gone over and over and over again, uh, either because of uh, spikes in COVID or I think most probably because employers are just worried their their workers are going to quit if they're forced to come back to the office when they have lots of other options. Uh, 
we have not quite yet reached what the new world of working is going to look like, some post-COVID equilibrium of how many days in the office and how many days from home uh, people are going to be working. I think as the labor market starts to cool down, employees lose a little bit of their leverage and uh, employers gain a little bit back. Uh, we'll start to see uh, people moving back to the office at least a few more days a week. So who's got the, the upper hand now? I mean, can, can workers say, you want me to come in or go elsewhere? I mean, is there a way to determine that? Yeah, right now it seems that employees still have uh, pretty clearly the upper hand in the labor market. Uh, they are, uh, in some cases, refusing to come back to the office and big public displays, as we've seen at a, a couple of large organizations. Uh, we've seen many, many companies, uh, even in recent weeks and months, uh, push back their return to the office date for fear of employees quitting en masse uh, when they have lots of other options. I don't think that's going to last forever. Uh, I think eventually things will start to uh, cool down in the labor market a touch. Employers will probably get a bit of, a, uh, of their bargaining position back, and we'll see some more work in the office, but it doesn't feel like we're ever going to go back to 9 to 5 Monday through Friday, five days a week, all, ever again. Why is it important to get workers back in the office, and is it important? I think in, when I talk to employers, uh, whether they're CHROs or CEOs, they see a huge cost in terms of retention. So they look at the turnover rate of their employees. Uh, they don't feel that their workers are connected to their organization and they're at home alone with their work. Uh, they don't feel very connected to the company and it's much easier to take new positions and change jobs uh, very quickly. And I think for employers, they see the cost of that uh, on the hitting the bottom line in a very significant way. It takes a lot of time and money to recruit, attract, train somebody in a role just to see them uh, move out of that role for a new position a few months later. Are, are there certain sectors where it seems to make more sense for workers to be in the office as opposed to working from a home, certain jobs where you really need to be in? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always important to remember the overall context that only about third of, of jobs in the United States can be done remotely at all. The majority of Americans have to go in to do their, uh, their jobs in person, uh, but in that roughly third of the, the positions that uh, are you know, previously done in an office and the work is computer-based and they can do it from home, um, the ones that seem to... Uh, where it's most valuable to be in the office is those ones where you're doing a lot of in-person collaboration with your colleagues. You're not doing solo work, uh, but instead you're bouncing ideas off of each other. You are going out to lunches and happy hours with both your coworkers and maybe potential customers 
uh, those in-person interactions do seem to be more valuable in a subset of jobs. What's the biggest concern you hear from employers? Uh, employers, I would say right now, are still most focused on recruiting. They're still trying to fill roles, and in some industries in particular, like retail, restaurant, entertainment, and leisure, uh, jobs that are done in person, companies are facing a serious labor shortage. Like we said at the top of the interview, there's two open jobs for every unemployed person in the country right now, and that's a really stiff job market uh, to try to hire in. Uh, we've seen companies almost completely focused on just trying to fill roles uh, for nearly a year and a half, and that is we expect it to let up sometime soon, but I'd say right at this moment, uh, it has not yet. As for New York City? I think it's fair to say the city's job market is still in a recovery mode, and, and that recovery is uneven. Um, different industries are recovering at, different, at a different pace. Tom DiNapoli is the New York State controller. He spent time with our Peter Haskell talking about New York City's sluggish recovery. New York City, because it was hit uh, so hard so early in the pandemic, suffered a greater amount of job loss. And you see in the numbers that uh, it lags the rest of the state in terms of job recovery. And, and so what are the sectors that seem, to be do- that seem to be doing the best and which ones are lagging behind? Well, it's, it's interesting and probably no surprise. Those um, industries where working remotely was uh, easy to accomplish, uh, have done better, uh, not have, and have not seen significant job loss. So whether it's, uh, uh, you know, financial services or real estate business services where working remotely uh, was a relatively easy transition, they've fared better. So face-to-face uh, industries, uh, those related to tourism, hospitality, restaurants, the construction sector, those have not fared as well. So the, the recovery there has been uh, much slower. So you do see some areas, uh, particularly uh, healthcare services, business services, they've grown back uh, by and large all the jobs that were lost. But certainly anything related to the hospitality sector, we still see a significant lag. And then obviously within those sectors, different groups have been impacted in, in different ways. Do you have a sense as to how long it'll be till we reach a full recovery? It's an important question, but the the challenge there is where is this economy headed? So if we are, in fact, headed to a slowdown at best, a recession at worst, uh, that could impact uh, the recovery that, that has been underway. And we know from the COVID experience and, uh, you know, past history, there are certain groups that are that are going to fare more poorly. So when you look at those sectors of the economy that have still been lagging, uh, no surprise uh, when you look at something like uh, the hospitality and restaurant sector, uh, high percentage of, of immigrants there. So uh, if we see a further slowdown or recession, they will, they've already been impacted more negatively. They could be impacted even more so. You, you look at some of the numbers and generally younger people in New York uh, City have had a harder time getting back into the labor market. Men 
uh, rather than women, have had a harder time getting back into the labor market. So the concern is if we are really headed to an economic slowdown, will this just uh, exacerbate some existing inequities that are there? Are there certain people who who have decided not to get back into the job market? Yeah, I mean, that that's that other question, right? So we look at the unemployment rate, but we also look at, at labor force participation, those that uh, either have work or are looking for work. And uh, there's no doubt there that we see uh, that we've lost. Uh, it's been negative. In fact, New York City, when you look at labor force particip- participation rates, it's it's been a more severe drop in New York City than it has been nationally. Why do you think that is? I think I think part of it is that that it reflects New York City's diverse economy and uh, those industries that have still just not come back. And again, you know, looking at that that construction sector, hospitality, restaurant, tourism related. You know, tourism, domestic tourism has been coming back, but we still don't see the same level of uh, tourism from overseas, uh, particularly the Chinese tourists, would spend an awful lot of money. We're not, we're not seeing that right now. So when you look again at the, the profile, demographic profile, who, who works in hospitality-related industries, you know, whether you're talking about the, the taxi drivers or the, the restaurant workers, they are more typically immigrant and very often in, in, in these sectors also more likely to be people of color. Uh, so that's having an impact on that uh, that labor force participation numbers that uh, that we're looking at. What's interesting is that, you know, what we're seeing is that is that, uh, and, and not necessarily clear as to why, but female uh, unemployment uh, rates seem to be improving faster uh, than for men. And uh, there was just a, a study that came out, actually national figures, but I suspect the same is true for New York City. Wage growth for women has been growing faster than for men this year. Uh, women still, on average, are, are earning less, but their wage growth seems to be uh, more accelerated. That may have something to do with health care, uh, which is an area where there are many women employed, and we know the the renewed priority on health care and some of the in- incentives that have been uh, put out there in terms of increased wages for uh, health care workers. That perhaps may explain part of that dynamic. You talk about the fact the city is lagging the rest of the state. So uh, why is that, number one? And number two, hindsight being 2020, was shutting down the city's economy worthwhile? Well, you know, in terms of the latter question, whether it was worthwhile or not, I think given uh, how hard the pandemic hit New York City and how uh, a lot of decisions were being made in a crisis mode uh, to try to protect the public health. Uh, You know, hindsight may suggest some different steps could have been taken, but I think at the time that was viewed as the the right thing to do to try to control the spread of of COVID-19. But I, I think the city has been faring uh, not as well as the rest of the state for the, for the obvious reason that the, the close down in the city of the economy was so uh, severe and so many sectors were uh, were disrupted. And it's just taking longer for the city to catch up. You know, this year I have to say the city was doing uh, more on par with what the rest of the state was in terms of, of, of um, uh, unemployment numbers. But, but because the city was still behind, it, it you know, it continues to be behind. July, uh, you know, New York State's unemployment rate was about 4.4%. You know, New York City, 6.1%. And because New York City is pulling down 
the statewide numbers, you know, compared to nationally, you know, which was 3.5%, were down. You look at outside of New York City, unemployment rate uh, for New York State, excluding New York City, was 3.1%, better than the national average. So it just shows New York City, you know, still has a ways to go to, to come back to where it was. Because usually we talk about New York City as the economic engine for the state. Uh, we we want to get back certainly to that to that point. It's interesting. We talk about uh, jobs and these kinds of numbers, but at the end of the day, the the bottom line is about collecting taxes. So what has the impact been on that? That's an interesting question because probably not as severe as uh, in a negative way as one might suspect. And part of that is that higher paid uh, professional positions uh, in the office sector, financial services particularly, that that was a part of the economy that was easily adapted to a remote work environment. So, you know, in terms of, you know, Wall Street jobs, you didn't see the job loss that you saw in, let's say, the restaurant industry. Why? Because even if they were coming into the office, they they still were able to work. So uh, higher income earning New Yorkers were less impacted. They pay a larger share of, of the city and the state income tax. So, you know, in fact, the revenues have stayed relatively strong. Actually, July was the uh, the first time we saw a slight dip below projections for uh, state tax collections. But you know, they've they've remained relatively strong uh, because of those sectors able to adapt to a remote work environment. Now, Wall Street contributes a great deal to the New York City uh, tax base and the state tax base as well. Obviously, this year is a much uh, choppier year for the financial market. So the kind of profits and bonuses we saw last year, at, you know, certainly at the rate we're going uh, as we head into September, probably not likely to be as good a year this year. So down the road, that might very well impact uh, revenue. But for now, tax revenue has held up surprisingly well because those at the higher end of the pay scale have not been as disrupted as, as much as those at the lower end of the pay scale. There are still plenty of people who are working from home, as you talk about. How does that impact the overall recovery, and does it have an impact on taxes? Well, it does, because if if people are not coming into the office, even though they may may be getting their good salary and paying taxes on it, they're not coming into the city, they're not spending money at lunchtime, they're probably not staying in the city to go to a restaurant or a Broadway show. Uh, so there's no doubt that uh, that ha- has had an impact. The impact on, on, on uh, the MTA, on, on, on public transit. I mean, the MTA relies heavily on ridership, uh, money that comes in from folks using the subway and the trains and paying fares. Obviously, that ridership has not come back as strongly as first anticipated so ultimately that becomes a requirement then for city and state to uh, figure out ways to make up the difference so uh, impact on sales tax revenue uh, impact on funding for uh, MTA uh, office buildings that are empty um, could very well lead to landlords looking to reduce their property tax assessments New York City depends uh, very significantly on the property tax for their revenues. So if assessed valuations go down because commercial properties aren't worth as much, all of this has a, you know, has a ripple effect in, in a negative way. And so if you layer on top of that, if, if the economy uh, is 
not just slowing down, but worse, headed to a recession, you could really see that um, some of the positive that we've had in recent times uh, is not going to be there. And then add on top of that, the federal money that has really uh, saved us in New York State and New York City, that's not forever. And that's starting to be spent down as well. So, you know, I think the, the key word I would use as we look for the next year or two for New York City finances, for state finances, uh, caution. Uh, we, we may not have as good a time as we've had the past year or two. Uh, it may be a much more challenging fiscal environment for us. Last word this week goes to Controller DiNapoli. I think it's important to look at uh, the trends and the numbers and to recognize you know, not just the big overall numbers, but but recognize that different sectors of the economy are are responding differently to economic conditions. There are still some sectors of the economy that definitely need more support, and that when you look at the demographics, uh, you know, whether you're talking about immigrants or or, or people of color or or, or uh, younger people, uh, you're still seeing significant disruption in, in the labor force among those groups. So we need to be mindful of that and make sure that as we're making decisions, we're going to lift everyone's boat. And, and there are still some folks that uh, were probably left behind before the pandemic hit, but the pandemic really um, uh, ex- exaggerated some of the inequities that were already there. And we need to be mindful of that and deal with it. Tom, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate it. Peter, thank you. WCBS reporter Peter Haskell with New York State Controller Tom DiNapoli. 880 In Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. The executive producers are Peter Haskell and Tim Sheld. I'm Michael Wallace. Thank you for listening. in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 